The Republic is not what it once was. The Senate is full of greedy, squabbling delegates. There is no interest in the common good. So we start off the 20 where Palpatine and Amidala are in a conversation and they're discussing the best strategy to take at the Senate meeting when, in terms of, I guess, protecting Naboo as a whole. Uh, at some point, Amidala decides she's going to have to go back to Naboo to be with her people in this tumultuous time. Palpatine advises against it. In fact, the Jedis do as well, but she's holding her ground. Yeah, she's holding her ground, and then when the Senate meeting happens, she especially realizes that this is just a giant shitstorm. Although Valorum is her biggest supporter, Palpatine places the seed in her mind that he is so clearly controlled by the bureaucrats that essentially, as much as he may be supportive, he can't actually do anything for them. He's bad-mouthing Valorum hardcore and is kind of incepting some of her uh, political ideologies because she's young and naive. Meanwhile, uh, the Jedi go before the Jedi Council— to kind of make a final plea for why Anakin ought to be considered for, for training. Anakin goes in for training, uh, and he, yeah, he, he proves to have a whole lot of midi-chlorians, and he's really sensitive with the Force, but as we know, they reject his training because he's too old, and more importantly, there's too much fear in him. Yeah, so he goes in for a quiz to kind of see if he passes the sniff test for the Jedi Council, and uh, like you mentioned, they reject him on the fact that uh, he's fearful and he's too old. Uh, Qui-Gon kind of fights back and then decides that, fuck it, I'm going to train the boy either way. Obi-Wan is old enough and wise enough uh, to become a Jedi Knight and face the trials. So they head back to Naboo, and uh, Queen Amidala puts Jar Jar in charge of... Uh, getting the Gungans together because they're going to need as many bodies on their side as they can. He can't really figure out where the Gungans have gone. Gungan City is empty, but then it dawns on him that they probably went to the sacred place. So they all uh, uh, rendezvous in the woods, in the Gungan sacred place, which is in the woods, I guess. And they make a plea uh, for their uh, military services, which after some deliberation, uh, Boss Nass agrees to. Exactly. And... In that kind of negotiation process, we get the big reveal that the white face painted person with the dots on her face isn't always the same Amidala, and that Padme is also the queen when it really comes down to it. So we find that she's been using a decoy bodyguard this entire time uh, for half the shots. Flashback to uh, some of the, uh, the royal quarters where Captain Panaka enters into uh, Queen Amidala's office or whatever and, and, and announces that Palpatine has been nominated to take over as Chancellor, uh, which Palpatine is kind of pretending to be surprised and really uh, flattered, but really he's just chomping at the bit to do some evil shit. Yeah, that was right before they left for Naboo, uh, but that was a big thing, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. And I think that is... Oh, yes. Padme and Boss Nass kind of negotiate a little bit and chat a little bit more about the plan. Padme has a phenomenal plan that involves uh, kind of taking on uh, the bureaucrats from three different fronts, from space and shutting down the droid attack from the main space hub uh, and also having the Gungans face the droids on Gungan turf. And then... Uh, the royals, along with her crew, will go invade the palace to capture the Viceroy. Now, in terms of the two main prestige-esque twists with good guys and bad guys, I thought in this 20 more than ever before, Padme and the Queen were clearly the same person. It was just more obvious to me than ever before. They, they in, in leading up to that big reveal, they really do a couple of shameless close-ups on her face, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that is or isn't Padme? Yep. Uh, and then, by the same token, this is the first time we see uh, the Emperor where it's very obvious that it's the same guy who's playing Palpatine. It's yeah. The first time it's like, oh, that's the same guy. Well, it's definitely a game. Like, it's, you can't miss it either way um, by this point. And then I don't really know what of it was supposed to be considered secret. I don't think really any. But we've had that conversation a million times. Uh, it's interesting. This is, uh, you can notice Kira Knightley. Yeah, uh, acting as uh, kind of the what are they called uh, bodyguard or servants or handmaids? Is that what it was called? Really, does Kira Knightley wear the the orange getup at some point? Yeah, she wears it in um, the sequence right before they go into the woods to confront the Gungans. No kidding. Yeah, because then they switch back to Kira Knightley in the in the makeup. Oh, that's interesting. And they never could have anticipated that both of those people would become 
like big movie stars. Well, no. And the funny thing is they recast Keira Knightley for Attack of the Clones and Rose Byrne plays her there. Yeah, but what does that mean? They recast... Oh, they Four recast days. the actor. Yeah. Rose Byrne plays the same character? Yeah. Because I know Rose Byrne was in it. Yeah, she plays the same character. She, in my head, is older than those other women. Yeah, I don't know. She looks the same. She looks pretty similar, though. They pull yeah. it off well enough. I do remember, though, as a kid, pretty much knowing it wasn't the same actress. Right. Um, it's like it's like a Pokemon, like a Kira Knightley evolves into a Natalie Portman evolves into a Rose Byrne. I love that comparison. <laughs> that is super funny. Except, There's a few of those that are really good when you consider a couple actors and famous. Oh people. yeah, Katy Perry, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, it goes it goes on and on. Yeah, I figured. So do you want to talk about uh, Amidala and Palpatine first? Or do you want to talk about Anakin first? Uh, what do you want to? Oh, um, well, we're already on Amidala and Palpatine. Let's keep on that track. Okay, in terms of the big reveal to Boss Nass, I get that it was a big moment uh, cinematically. Mm. It seems like she chose her moment to announce herself very unstrategically. We have searched you out because we wish to form an ally. Your Honor. Who said I am Queen Amidala. Huh? This is my decoy, my protection. She very randomly just blurted out, by the way, I am this person. Like, why didn't the decoy know at some point, by the way, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to I'm gonna tell them the truth? I think it was, and this is kind of a... I answer this from experience as someone who's done a lot of school and a lot of business school, which means there's a lot of presentations. Okay. So as someone who's given a lot of presentations, sometimes if a question's asked that's a hard question and someone you know is going to answer it poorly starts to talk, you cut them off and answer it correctly. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing where it, she was realizing, okay, this is either going to go down a long rabbit hole or I jump in now where it doesn't make it look bad she doesn't look bad i don't look bad uh, this is it's either now or never really but you think she went to the swamp knowing she was going to reveal herself at that meeting i think she either went in thinking that she wouldn't need to or being prepared that if the if boss nass started throwing some tough questions that she would need to step in then uh going back to a speculation we had a few weeks ago about captain panaka and whether or not he knew the truth, he definitely knew the truth. I had my eye on him, and he was one of the only people in the background to not show any expression of surprise. He was like, he was in on it. I don't remember us talking about that part. Yeah, we were trying to figure out whether or not he knew. Yeah. When he sent Padme to into oh, that's right. Tatooine. Yeah, he does have kind of a look on his face even when he's telling Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. Of course he would fucking know who she is. He's like the head of her detail. He yeah. have to know. That is his main job, probably. Now, I actually found it kind of sweet when Anakin went to see Padme. Yeah, that actually was pretty sweet. The, I don't like some of her lines, but... I don't like some of his lines either. I'm going to go to start my training, I think. I might never see her again. It's just the most robotic. And also, why would you never see her again? I, I just think I think it was well done. It, it she stands back for some distance because it is in fact Padme. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was a little bit revealing, but in a good way. Yeah, it was good. I thought her line of "We will tell her for you. We are sure her heart goes out with you" <laughs> was like seriously. Because yes, we understand that the the dull dialogue. It's actually it's. Uh, digitally changed. Yeah, it's modulated. But it's also like you get the reason why it's supposed to be done that way. That's her political voice that allows her to kind of be two different people. But like when delivering a line like that, it just couldn't sound stupider. Yeah. It just sounds so dumb coming from a robot. Right. I But I, it's kind of difficult because if she emotes at all, you're going to be like, oh, that's Natalie Portman. Yeah, but I don't know. It just seems like a... It was. It's a bad line. Oh, it is. And there's a, many. It is a bad, bad line. Uh, Anakin was the king of bad lines in this twenty, as is so often the case. In the discussion with him and the council, they're talking about the fear that he exhibits. And in his defense, I think the way they're dangling his mother in front of him is a little unfair. Yeah, they're like you're 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 still fixated on your mother, and he's like. Actually, his line is, what does that have to do with anything? Which is stupid, and he escalates there way too quickly. But also... Anakin does? Yeah. 
What does that have to do? Like, he wouldn't be saucy with Yoda. That's awesome. Is it? Yeah. Because that's one of the very, 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 very few things that connects Jake Lloyd's Anakin to Hayden Christensen's Anakin. I'm okay with him being a little sassy, I guess. But it does it, it doesn't make sense for him to get so defensive in that moment. Because all they're doing is, at that point, all they're saying is like, so we know you're still thinking about your mother a lot. Like, he would just be like, yeah, I miss her. Like, he doesn't need to be such a pill about it. Yeah, I see that as being a mistake the 98% of the rest of the movie being on, okay. on his character. Yeah. I think that is exactly the way the character should be. And He's too cute in this movie? Definitely. Yeah. And that's the reason why he needs to be a little bit older. It makes him a little less cutesy, and it can show the fear a little bit better and the leading into the anger. And George really, really, really wanted it to be just fear. That was his whole point. Um, was Fear to sh- like, I'm scared, I'm afraid? or Well, the whole, like, fear leads to blah, blah, blah. Hey. But... It's yeah. It's important to kind of... He wants to show the innocence at the right. same time. You can still show that innocence better and show a little bit of a blend of the two because Hayden Christensen, the, there's zero innocence. Right. He's just, in, he's just a tool. He's a whiny tool. There needs right. to be a, a bit better of a transition there. And I just find it weird that Yoda, who is this Zen master, has so little patience for Anakin in that moment. Anakin's like, what does that have to do with anything? Talking about his mom. And Yoda's like... Everything, which is kind of good. It's actually kind of exhibits a little bit of Empire Strikes Back Yoda. Well, that's what's interesting. As creepy and awful as the original puppet in uh, The Phantom Menace was for Yoda, because Yoda was a puppet originally, and they went back and CG'd him. Yeah. Uh, That puppet was terrifying and awful and looked really stupid. Yeah. But some of the lines you see delivered in The Phantom Menace are much more consistent with the Yoda that we see in the original trilogy than the Clone Wars Yoda. Right. So by Clone Wars, I mean Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars TV show, Revenge of the Sith, that whole era. Yeah. He is... It's very. It's just very interesting to, to, to see how serious he becomes when war is the primary focus of the Jedi. And he's almost like his loopy little self yeah. when it's... Uh, He's able to turn it on and off. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because yeah. he doesn't need to... He's not on his guard the same right. way at this point. The, the They've been extinct. The Sith have been gone for a while, so he doesn't need to be as sharp. I or, understand, but he and Mace Windu both have so much contempt for this kid who wasn't... It wasn't even his idea to come here. Well, Mace Windu just has contempt for everyone because he's an asshole. He kind of is, yeah. Yeah. He really is. That's right. We also skipped over that cool opening scene where... Uh, Qui-Gon is recounting his encounter with Darth, Darth Maul, Maul yeah. and they're like, but the Sith have been extinct for a millennia. Well, that's actually one thing that I wanted to uh, put in as a big take back um, is specifically, let me see where it Does is. Does that remain canonically true that to the Jedi's perspective, come the time of the Phantom Menace, they have no awareness of the Sith existing for a millennia, which is a thousand years? Well, that's the thing that's interesting is because that makes no sense. Qui-Gon right. specifically says he doesn't know who he is when he jumps on the Nubian to escape Darth Maul. Right. And then when he arrives at the council, he's like, he must have been a Sith Lord. Right. Which also doesn't make sense. And then you have everybody being like, well, we would have known about it if it was a Sith Lord, which is ridiculously right. stupid. That's what makes shit. you guys think that at all? Well, they're pretty cocky, to be fair. That is true, but they also know of the rule of two. Yeah. They mentioned it at the end of the movie. Yep. And if they know of the rule of two, it's pretty fucking obvious that in the trillions of people in the galaxy, that two extremely conniving Sith could slip through the cracks, buddies. To be fair, they might not know of the rule of two. Yoda tells it to Mace Windu at the end. So it might be kind of a niche piece of trivia at this point. That's possible. And that's that's an interesting take. I didn't really think of it in that regard because we, I think, only know canonically of Yoda knowing of the rule of two. Um, he's the one who introduces it yeah and he introduces it there and we learn more about it um, and we introduce Darth Bane into canon uh, in the Clone Wars as Yoda encounters kind of a force vision from him there as well right Um, but that entire little sequence is bad and then there's a Mace Windu line I do not believe the Sith could have returned with Otis knowing yeah like it's a terrible line and it just fits back in with what I said about how it, it yeah I get how arrogant they were but if that's also the case, and there's even a remote chance it's a Sith, get off your ass, Mace. 
Why are we? Why is Qui Gon going? Mace Windu is the best duelist in the galaxy. I kind of like it. I I actually think it's an okay line because it speaks to the complacency of their little mm. their little dogma. Like they just like to sit in their high tower and talk about how powerful they are because they haven't had to worry about this kind of threat in a really long time. Mm. Like maybe he's a really good duelist in the gym, but he hasn't had to he hasn't had to put it to the test. You know? Yeah. They're doing stuff, maybe not just taking on Sith, but right. I, it's an interesting point. Uh, I, I still think it doesn't hold up yeah. uh, the same way. And it, it, it's, a, it's one of those points that kind of glitches with our understanding yeah. of, of what Seth, uh, Sith and, and, and Jedi are. Exactly. It, it doesn't necessarily not work. It's just it glitches is a kind of a good way of putting it. Yeah. I have a couple of questions for you about Padawanhood. Sure. How young do you have to be? For God's sake, he's nine. Well, it's it's different. So, being coming a Padawan of someone, that's that makes sense. Doing it at nine or even a little bit older, that happens. Uh, but specifically, it's because they take you away from your family, right? So the Jedi are removed from their family at like I'm pretty much after birth. As long as you're born and within a Republican system, a yeah. Republic system, yeah. Uh, then you're identified by the Jedi because they're able to sense you out from are the you, force. Are you and disqualified if you love somebody? Like, I, I know we're not allowed to have, like, marital sexual love. We learn that later when Anakin falls in love with Padme properly. Mm. But, like, he's his biggest issue is the fact that he loves his mom. Exactly. And they're like, I don't think so. So, like, you're not allowed to have any kind of emotional attachment. No Jedi know their parents. Okay. No, they're it's, they're taken that's away neat. at a that's young good. age, and and they they form these relationships within like the Jedi. It's kind of fucked up to be honest. Oh, it's super fucked up. Yeah. But like they form like their own Jedi kind of family and the elements of attachment, and they show you when Anakin is he's tortured by not going back to save his mom. When he goes mm-hmm. back to save his mom, it essentially is his first massive. Meltdown. Uh, ex- example of the dark side. Yeah. Completely overtaking them. Right. So it really does line up well in that regard in that it makes sense as to why attachment is the path to the dark side. Uh, compassion and love and um, that's not, but attachment is. And so that's the reason why he's too old. It's not that like becoming a Padawan learner. He's just lived too much. Yeah, exactly. Because when they're young kids, they're trained by Yoda. Until a certain point, I like maybe if they're like super super young kids, I'm sure they have like a daycare that Jedi at the Jedi Temple. <laughs> they but. do. We see it later. And that's where the the younglings. No, those, those are the younglings. Yeah. that Yoda trains, but maybe even younger than that. I'm sure there's a Jedi daycare. Okay. Uh, but Yoda trains them as younglings, and if there is a Jedi Knight um, who cho- or Jedi Master who chooses them to be their Padawan learner, mm-hmm. like it's a selection process. And if you're not chosen, then you are shipped off. Right. So that means you are serving the galaxy in some other way, but not as a Jedi Knight. Okay. So that's a really shitty deal. And Obi-Wan, that actually happened to him. Really? So I don't believe it's been removed from canon. So technically this is still a fair game way to believe things. But he did not. he was not chosen as a Padawan learner. And ended up being shipped off to some job on a planet. And uh, he impressed Qui-Gon when Qui-Gon was on a mission on that planet. Qui-Gon learned a little bit about more about him. Right. Uh, and then dis- decided, you know what, I'm going to take on this underdog. How old is Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace? Like 24? Um, that's a really good question. Because he's been a Padawan for a goddamn long time at uh, this point. Y- well, uh, it, it really depends on how long you are going to be a Padawan. I mean, my guess is he's supposed to be early 20s here. Yep. Uh, and when you think about Anakin becoming a pa- Anakin's a Padawan in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. So you're a Padawan all through your teens. Right. Uh, and Anakin was made one of the youngest Jedi Knights. Um, and he didn't have to actually pass his trials. Uh, he was just knighted uh, at the start of the Clone Wars because he was so fucking powerful that they couldn't afford to not knight him. Well, and Obi-Wan is knighted pretty young too because he's knighted right after this movie and whether Qui-Gon had died or not, there's discussion in this 20 about how he's, quote, ready to face the trials and that's my next question. What does that mean? What are the trials? Uh, there were five Jedi trials. I don't know them super well in detail. Are they like obstacle courses or are they like no, psychological tests? Uh, all of the above. Yeah. Uh, so there is like, um, like the trial of... Like, I don't know, 
strength or whatever or warrior being a heart the trial of yeah yeah. they're they're based there to test the the five major aspects of becoming a jedi uh and they're done not necessarily as like admission is go uh oh and they're off but no it's 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 not necessarily like a maze runner style game or like goblet of fire here it's (laughs) kind of what i was thinking yeah i, I kind of figured because yeah. that would be super really that'd be super cool they probably do have to do some kind of crazy endurance physicality but too. there would be some of that yeah uh and then in some instances uh the trial can be administered through real life situation that they may find themselves in uh so as long as they're able to i think it's kind of like scout badges okay um like doesn't necessarily you don't have to get them in the, like a specific order or i think it's just a matter of like when you've when you're ready and you've decided to, to put yourself out there, I think it's... Are we to understand that Obi-Wan did, in fact, endure those trials between episodes one and two? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the, the portion... I would assume, if not, I think killing the first Sith in a thousand years passes the trials for him. Yeah, he gets a little exemption. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and to be completely honest, uh, I could look it up right now, and I would... Wouldn't be remotely surprised if that actually was how that, it happened. If that counted. If that counted for him. Yeah, no kidding. Because at the end of the movie is when he's Yoda agrees to let him take on Anakin, mm-hmm. which wouldn't happen if he was still a Padawan. That's why I ask. So there's a actually that makes sense that that would have been his trial. Yeah. And that would count for enough because when you think about all the different elements that were involved in that. So I just did a little bit of a quick search here. Uh, trial of skill. So that seems... Fairly obvious yep. as to what that would be. Uh, it's the oldest trial. Um, it's uh, essentially with the lightsaber and okay. technique. Yeah. Uh, trial of courage. Uh, the example that they give here is Obi Wan going up against Darth Maul after Darth Maul killing his master. Right. Uh, that's some serious odds right there. Uh, trial of flesh. Uh, so some form A of prostitute. No, no, no. Tr- <laughs> some form of atrocious pain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some kind of torture. Yeah. And so Anakin, for example, when Dooku cuts off his hand, he's experienced that trial already. So yeah. like, it, he's able to kind of like get these things bit okay. by bit. Um, trial of spirit. So that must be some, it must be similar to courage, but in more of a way where maybe the adverse odds are, I'm not quite sure the specifics. I'm not going to read like six paragraphs here That's on okay. it. Uh, and then trial of insight. Uh, and this one seems like some form of intellect. Um, yeah. So I'm a little bit all over the map here, but I'm just trying to piece things together um, systematically, um, systemically. Uh, Obi-Wan's dueling with specifically Darth Maul is what reveals that, in fact, the Sith are back, not that there is this specter of Palpatine looming out there. Uh, we see Darth Maul with a double-bladed lightsaber, and they're like, okay, I guess this is proof that, yeah, Sith are back. And that's why Yoda decides to wave Anakin in, because they're like, well, I was going to say no, but since we need to re... I think... I think <laughs> we need to regroup. Yeah, well, that's how he's... That's the reason he's made a knight. Yeah. Um, and Because it's... They need him... He's just powerful. And But I think this one is purely because of the, time, the dying wish of Qui-Gon. Okay. I don't think this and, is... And Yoda's okay with the dying wish of Qui-Gon being a reason enough to train this incredibly fearful young Jedi. It's interesting because Yoda has tremendous respect for Qui-Gon. Yeah. Whereas not really many other Jedi in the council did. No kidding. Um, but because Qui-Gon is... Because Qui-Gon is absolutely what a Jedi is supposed to be. He follows the will of the Force, not the will of the council. Right. And that's the reason why he is the epitome of perfect Jedi. And when anyone calls him a gray Jedi, I just roll my eyes because that's horseshit. Right. And a term that was just made up in EU. Yeah. Um, But I think that's the reason why Yoda kind of gives it like, Qui-Gon was led to Anakin by the will of the force. I know that's how Qui-Gon operates. Yep. I know that he's being a renegade because the force has told him to be. He believes strongly in this. And so Yoda believes strongly in Qui-Gon's belief because he believes in the will of the Force. That's pretty high honor for Qui-Gon. Absolutely. And so... But Qui-Gon was also the first person to learn how to... Um, be a Force ghost. Yeah, which is... I, I forget how the, the term that they refer to it as. Some high-ranking spirituality. Yeah, it's like being able to retain your consciousness in the, the living Force or the... Uh, 
spiritual force. Or what. So when he and Obi-Wan are arguing about the council's reaction, uh, Obi-Wan says, and I quote, if you would just follow the code, you would be on the council. Mm. And so that's kind of an interesting way to put it. Like, clearly, he could be sitting in the round room, but it's not really that important to him. It's not. But Obi-Wan's like, why wouldn't you want to be there? Well, Obi-Wan's there in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that's right. So clearly important to him. Can we talk about Anakin's brief little interview? Yeah, where, sure. Where he's predicting what the little holograms are on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Is he reading Mace Windu's thoughts? Is he listening to the midi-calorians in his, in his cells? Well... We're not going to get into that, but... <laughs> Why not? It's part of this 20. Well, the midi-chlorians in his cells, because yes, that is how the Force works. That's what well, Qui-Gon says. They're microscopic life forms that reside within all living cells, yes. which I still don't really have that big of an issue with. Well, no. Uh, how it works is the wills control... Um, the wills speak to the Force, and the wills speak to the midi-chlorians, and the midi-chlorians speak to humans. Yes. So... It, it, that's that's the way the process is. It's just kind of weird. One more Qui-Gon question. Uh, in talking about how Obi-Wan is ready for the trials, this is kind of how Qui-Gon uh, breaks it to Obi-Wan, that like he's going to be passing him over as his apprentice. I take Anakin as my Padawan learner. An apprentice you have, Qui-Gon. Impossible to take out a second. The code forbids it. Obi-Wan is ready. I am ready to face the trials. Like, at first I was kind of like, oh, you're just rejecting Obi-Wan, but then he kind of throws him a bone and he's like, oh, but you're ready to be a master. And so that's cool. Uh, He says, you're a much wiser man than I am. And I thought we could extrapolate on that a little bit. For what does Qui-Gon mean when he tells Obi-Wan he's wiser than he, which really does not appear to be the truth. It's interesting because there's a lot you can unpack with that one. Obi-Wan goes on to become one of the most wise uh, movie characters ever yes um but he's not as a boy no he's not and at the same time but you could look at it from a few different from a from a certain point of view <laughs> he's a lot wiser than qui-gon and from a certain point of view he never is as quiet as as wise as qui-gon right uh because at the end of the day obi-wan follows the dogma of the jedi mm-hmm. and he does it to a fault he's qui-gon is wise to a fault though too uh yeah and, and that's and that's where it comes in in terms of he's Everyone. wise to a fault in the sense of he's able to see the bigger picture and not care about being on the Jedi Council. Right. But in this context, that can also be him saying, well, that makes you wiser because you clearly are seeing the bigger picture and thus are want to be on the Jedi Council and, less, and thus can make larger change. So there's so many ways in which you can unpack this. Yeah, you're right. That it's just kind of like... Everybody's really stubborn is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. I like to compliment each other and some of them are super arrogant. Do you want to give me some trivia? I was right about to say that. Okay. Do you want to start? Sure, sure. Uh, what promotion does Boss Nass give Jar Jar? Bomba General. What is Bomba General? I, I don't know. It's <laughs> I, General is what Jar Jar responds back with after, so my guess is Bombad and might just be like yeah. his cough before the actual answer. It's just a weird Gungan noise. Honestly, why would you make Jar Jar General? Yeah, he's been hanging out with the elite. He seems to have an inside track on the other people who you don't totally trust, but... He's done nothing but screw everything up for the entire time you've known him, and now he's your general. One of the massive flaws of Phantom Menace. Everything with Boss Nass is bad. It's ludicrous. He's an awful character. He would be ten times better, though, if he didn't speak English. Yeah, All the Gungans would be. That's fair. But especially Boss Nass. Because he sounds the stupidest of all the Gungans, and he's the one that is the most Star Wars-seeming character. Yeah, I guess. I kind of like that guy with the Fu Manchu. I'm okay with his voice. Yeah, I like him too. Yeah. Uh, he's got a cool voice though. Yeah. Jaja. He's the one one exception in Gungan lore. Yeah, he's the, he's kind of a cool Gungan. That's right. Even the Gungan in Last Shot was annoying. Really? Yeah. Yeah, why'd they even do that? They had a Gungan and an Ewok in that book. Good lord, they were playing with fire. Yeah. That's a ballsy I writer. Still, of all, actually, I uh, read an entire Star Wars book this, la- this past week. Yeah. Uh, it was excellent, A New Dawn. Uh, but uh, still haven't finished Last Shot. <laughs> you just can't get through it. It's uh, sign- it's without a doubt the worst uh, of the books I've read thus yeah. far. It was an okay, it was a good start, and uh, yeah. But anyway, let's stick to the 20. Okay. Uh, my first question is, what is the full path to the dark side? Uh, beginning with fear, is that what you mean? Fear leads to hate, hate, 
Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Correct. Yeah. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm, afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What does that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I thought I was. I thought it was like is pain one of them? But no. Suffering. Suffering. <laughs> you want to do a night question? Sure. Uh, what room does Captain Panaka say they'll have difficulty entering when they're about to kick off their little battle? Ooh, good question. The throne room? It is the throne room. Guess it wasn't that good of a question. I thought it was a pretty good question for a night question. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, name five members of the Jedi Council. Good Lord. All right. Yoda, Mace Windu, uh, Plo Koon, Kayati Mundi. Mm-hmm. I specifically chose five because I knew you'd get those four. Ah. <laughs> Ah, uh, shoot. The one... There's a couple of... It's a couple that are on the tip of my tongue. Like the, I figured Like the be. Lady Yoda's kind of on the tip of my tongue. And, uh, oh, who's the guy with the tall, really skinny head? Shoot, what's his name? I'll be impressed if you get that one, because he doesn't make it to um, attack the clones. Goodness gracious, what's his name? Um, I don't know. Can you give me a hint? Um... No. No, not okay. really. It's... All right, give me a couple more. Who are they? Uh, Yarl Poof is who you were thinking of. Oh, no, I wasn't thinking that. Uh, Yaddle. Yaddle, yeah, that's right. That's the Yoda. Yep. Uh, there's Adi Gallia. Uh, What's the one that's the same species as uh, Darth Maul? Uh, that's Eethkoth. Eethkoth. But interestingly, Eethkoth was recast for Attack of the Clones because... They did the um, Genosis scenes in Australia, I think. Right. And he couldn't make it because of scheduling or I don't know why. Uh, so they recast him and then retroactively decided, no, just make it a different guy. <laughs> and then right. they, they just made them two separate characters that look almost identical. He's interesting because uh, he's the same species as Darth Maul. He's a Zabrak, but Darth Maul is specifically Dathomirian, so he comes from... A different place. He comes from Dathomir, although the same species. He looks a little different as a result. Okay. Okay. You ready for my master question? Name me one of the two other Chancellor nominees against Palpatine. Bale Antilles. You are correct. Can you give me the other one? Um, he was from Malastare. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you say so. It was Melee Team. I was gonna. I knew it was Team. I just couldn't think yeah. his first name. Who else has been nominated? Bail Antilles of Alderaan and Ainley Team of Malastare. Uh, Bail Antilles. No Wedge Antilles connection. Oh, that's. I was. I hear that here as a take back. Oh yeah. It's so clearly. It's Bail Organa Wedge Antilles. No, it's Bail Organa. Bail Antilles. You think it's the same person? You no, think... it's a mistake. It should have been Bail Organa. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah. Because right, because Bail Organa didn't necessarily, and they say Bail Antilles of Alderaan. Oh, they do too. And he, it's 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 Bail Organa. It's just a mistake. Well, did they not? Did or did Orga Organa not exist in no, the original he, trilogy? Did that name not exist? They didn't know better. Uh, no, I think it did. Uh, no, I think specifically George Lucas hadn't realized who was going to. He hadn't figured it all out. Yeah, yet. he hadn't realized who was going to adopt Leia. You're probably right. Okay, um, what else you got for me? But I just thought it was weird that they decided in the end to bail Antilles. Yeah. My guess is there was a chance that bail Antilles, maybe that um, if they don't mention that Leia, I wonder if Leia Organa is mentioned in I don't think so, the original man. trilogy. I mean, it might have been known by fans, yeah. but I don't think the words are spoken. Because if, if it wasn't determined, then it would make plenty of sense for Antilles. Yeah, as well. So okay. maybe they just he just changed it last minute. But I thought that was a, a little bit of an interesting piece. Uh, my master question here. What is... And this is one I think you can get. Okay. I specifically made this a hard one, but one that you could get. Great. What are the answers to Anakin's force test for the Jedi Council? Oh, God. I don't know. One of them is speeder. Mm-hmm. Um, blaster? Nope. I'm just thinking of like Star Wars things. Um... 
I don't, I don't know. Ship, cup, ship, speeder. A ship? A cup. A ship. A speeder. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, I should have thought of that. Uh, can we talk about what won the 20? What are your nominees for the things that stood out to you that like that really iconicized this 20? Uh, I had two. Okay. Um, I had Padme specifically being just her best. Yeah, she's good. She's just a badass. Her plan is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely well thought out. She doesn't even put her own people at risk. She gets the Gungans to risk their lives. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and she does that badass move by revealing who she is. Uh, Padme just kicks ass. Uh, she throws Valorum under the bus. Yeah, she gets manipulated by Sheev, but everyone in the fucking galaxy gets manipulated by Sheev. Right. So I think she's just a badass in this 20. Similarly, I nominate uh, Royal Shoulder Pads. Oh, excellent. That is a fair thing to nominate. There's a lot of those in this. They are serious in this 20. Yeah. They look like... She, lo- she dresses like a moron in this 20. I noticed, and going back to what I said earlier about how she's most recognizable and most identifiable in this 20, when she's in the white getup, which is expressly geisha-esque, mm. she's very clearly Natalie Portman. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also have Yoda and Palpatine. Yeah, okay. For their kind of dialogue and foresight and the things that they say. Right. A lot of the things Yoda says, a lot of the things he says in that Jedi Council scene. Uh, let me just pull up some of them because we haven't really done quotes. Ah, hard to see the dark side is. Um, everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. And then he does the fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. Right. I sense much fear in you is a very important line. It's an important one. It's uh, the name of the episode, I think. That's what I have as the placeholder. Works. Works for me. Perfect. I also want to nominate uh, Senate floating chamber pods. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Those are cool. I mean, it's not really a very efficient way to run uh, like a hearing, but it looks cool. Yeah, definitely should have just done it over like uh, like a Google Hangouts or something. Not everything has to float. Like <laughs> just because the technology's there in Star Wars, it seems like they have stuff that floats that doesn't need to float. Yeah, and I wasn't a huge fan of. I I, I thought it was cool in concept. I thought the execution just was a little odd in Revenge of the Sith. When there's yep. the big battle in that room. Right. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if George had thought of that and already had set it up. Because he thought that'd be cool. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of quotes written down, to be honest. Uh, I am Queen Amidala. I mean, it's not really very interesting, but it's impactful. This is my decoy, my protector, my loyal bodyguard. Uh, Qui-Gon says to the Jedi Council, finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt about that. Mm. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I, I like Yoda's in response to Qui-Gon. But you do reveal your opinion. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, and this is a very a very good line. Maybe my favorite line of the 20. I can only protect you. I can't fight a war for you. Very good. Very good line. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also the Palpatine line, which he whispers right in Amidala's ear. And because of how predictive of what happens next... It's just one of those, another answers, like, he he clearly has the force. There's no way you can predict so clearly what's going to happen, and the fact that he will fold like a cheap lawn chair. Uh, enter the bureaucrats, the true rulers of the Republic, and on the payroll of the Trade Federation, I might add, this is where Chancellor Valorum's strength will disappear. Ooh. And also, Amidala's um, comment to the entire Senate I will not defer. I have come before you to resolve this attack on our sovereignty now. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee. Yep. If this body is not capable of action, I suggest new leadership is needed. I move for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership. Not only is that... That is a badass quote. Not only is it badass, it's like... It's resonant with the real world. Yeah. It's an exceptional line. It's a good criticism of politics in general Mm -hmm. and partisanship. For like a character who like is really up and down and has some seriously shit points, this is the peak. This is really an excellent 20 for Padme. I think Qui-Gon must say this. I think he says it to Anakin. Always remember your focus determines your reality. Stay close to me and you'll be safe. Yeah. What does that mean? Your focus determines your reality. 
It's interesting. I wonder if that uh, kind of pops back up elsewhere. I'm sure there's an echo to something with that. Your focus determines your reality. He's talking about the force specifically, like like yeah. quiet your mind. Well, yeah, quiet your mind because the, the will will the the wills will speak to you, and that will essentially yeah allow you to manipulate your reality almost. Right, right. Maybe that's what it's going for. Okay, possible. That's all I got for this twenty. Really good one. Really like. Really heavy 20, and it, one of the reasons it was really hard to recap in correct order is that there's a lot of short scenes, and that's uncommon for Star Wars leading up to now. Star Wars is typically a few long scenes, and this was not that. Yeah. The no, action is really starting to commence in this. Well, the next 20 is action-packed. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more lines, though, to just throw in here. Uh, Palpatine, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one, your majesty. If I'm elected, I promise to end the corruption. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's very goofy. Yeah, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Uh, Amidala's line, Senator, this is your arena. I must return to mine. I've decided to go back to the Naboo. Um, I love the way Coyote Mundi said the line of, and draw out the queen's attacker. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's just funny. Right. Uh, and then Mace Windu's line, it's not necessarily a, a good line, but I love the end of it. And you will agree with me why. Uh, go with the Queen to Naboo and discover the identity of this dark warrior. That is the clue we need to unravel the mystery of the Sith. That's a good line. I have no problem with that it's line. It's just so, like... It's it's very expository. Yeah, and that's yeah. what Mace Windu does. There is... I actually have one of the worst pieces of exposition in the movie is, Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midi-chlorians. Whoa. I've been wondering, what are midi-chlorians? Whoa. The master, sir, and I've been wondering oh my are God. friggin' terrible, man. Yeah. I've been wondering is like, you can get hung up on master, sir. Let's put a pin in that. I've been wondering is a brutal thing that no real person says. It's 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 like... I, I don't it's know, true. No one really No say one would that. say, I've been wondering. It's just a completely... I wonder. It's a fabricated piece of dialogue. Yeah. Hate it. That's fair. Crap. Yeah, so you want to go to the news? Okay, what you got? Not a whole lot in the news, really. Uh, Gary Kurtz, he passed away, the producer of A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Right, This yeah. is a big loss in the Star Wars world. For that, sure. Uh, him and George didn't really get along, uh, apparently, because <laughs> he was supposed to produce uh, Return of the Jedi as well, but felt that it didn't really... I th- He was one of the people who was against the silliness of certain parts of it, and yeah. the fact that it ended so positively, he wanted more of a darker ending. Well, State George was just not a good collaborator, so it's not hard to imagine that some of his... His employees found yeah, him difficult. Exactly. And that's the reason why, I mean, Lawrence Kasdan and George were, were a good duo because yep. they understood the quirks and the weird behaviors of the other. Yeah. Uh, Bob Iger uh, talked about the slowdown. Uh, he decided to uh, to basically take the fall for why Solo did poorly. Interesting. Uh, and, and he really is the one at fault. It lost. It was be, he, he was the one who determined it would go in May which is one of the big factors. It's a mistake. Yep. And he also is in charge of marketing in the sense that he is fucking head of Disney. Yeah, but let's not forget, and I feel like not enough people say this, including us. Mm. Let's not forget, they had to spend a lot of money that was nobody's fault. They fired the yep. directors that were ruining their film, yep. and they had to reshoot a huge portion of the film. That was going to be an enormous expense that otherwise wouldn't have been incurred. True, but if I'm not mistaken, Bob Iger was also the one who picked Lord and Miller. Yep. And you need, I, but, they, I, but thing is, though, Colin, they fucked up on that with Lord and Miller. Rogue One had like four different directors and writers all in like editing. It's and amazing Rogue One turned out as good as it did. George Lucas and Michael Arndt wrote the initial Force Awakens before they changed and decided to bring in JJ. Yeah. Um, like every single one of these movies other than The Last Jedi has been a shit show behind the scenes. Harrison Ford broke his leg in The Force Awakens. What you wouldn't give to read George Lucas's treatment of Star Wars Episode Seven? Oh my God. That'd be insane. It would be fascinating. It would be so interesting. It would just be sociologically a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I forget who it was. Um, it may have been Alden Ehrenreich who ran into George Lucas. or Anyway, so, one of them mentioned, though, that they uh, um, that George Lucas did like Solo. I think I heard that. Yeah, which yeah. is good. And that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like a George Lucas movie. <laughs> yeah, it really does in, in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so that the slowdown, Bob Iger kind of took that on, and the main reason why he did that was because then a week later it was released that Kathleen Kennedy has been extended for three more years. Which, of course, is a controversial thing among uh, quote-unquote self-proclaimed Star Wars fans, but this is an extraordinary uh, woman of uh, film business. And Absolutely. Like it, to, to put it all on her, I saw somebody call her a feminazi yesterday on twitter oh my god it's just like rise of the incels yeah you're not you're no fan of star wars no you're an idiot if that's the case i mean yeah kathleen kennedy do you have to like all the things that have happened to star wars since disney took over no not at all has kathleen kennedy done some things that show that she's not necessarily the right person for certain parts of things absolutely but kathleen kennedy has created so much money for disney and i am so excited about the world of star wars and I think they've learned a lesson on Solo to know that they need to be a little bit smarter about connecting things a little bit better. And as long as she has more creative collaborators or potentially, and I still want this, um, shifts away from the creative side of things and more on the business and production, then it could be, it'll be totally fine. I, I, I couldn't agree more i want to i want to just go down her filmography as a producer just to kind of illustrate exactly insane. how how successful she's been in in reverse chronological order she's the producer of solo a star wars story star wars the last jedi a rogue rogue one a star wars story girl on the train the bfg the force awakens lincoln the adventures of Tintin, war horse uh curious case of benjamin button indiana jones kingdom of the crystal skull war of the worlds munich sea biscuit signs Jurassic Park 3, The Sixth Sense, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost World, Twister, The Indian in the Cupboard, uh, The Flintstones, fun, Schindler's List, by the way, Jurassic Park, uh, and then we have a bit of a, a, an offshoot in the animation world, Hook, same Kathleen Kennedy, guys, Back to the Future Part 3, Back to the Future Part 2, The Land Before Time, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, an American Tale, The Money Pit, Fandango, The Color Purple, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Gremlins, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Twilight Zone, the movie, E.T., Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Need I go on? Yeah, she's garbage. She sucks. What a feminazi. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most impressive career in Hollywood. It's sensational. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, it's it's nothing but a wonderful thing that she's going to be at the helm because she gets shit done. That's what matters. She's not in there like writing the movie for cost, for Christ's sake. Yeah. She just needs to pick more people to work together. That's really the big thing for me is there needs to be a unifying vision and there needs to be uh, just a, a better creative collaborative force going on in Lucasfilm just because there's clearly disjointed mess going on a yeah. little bit. Um couple other things in here. Uh, Andy Serkis had to cancel a con appearance, just like Billy D, due to a scheduling conflict. Ooh. So there's a pretty decent chance we're going to see old Snokey in episode nine, which I think is what everybody assumed. Yeah. They, he wasn't on the initial cast list because that would ruin the spoiler. Right. But it's just, I, I, I'd be pretty shocked if there was no visual depiction of Snoke. Whether and, it's flashback or otherwise. Yeah, I think they're going to... I think they have to use flashbacks. Yeah. And I know flashbacks were not... I mean, really were the first time used in The Last Jedi. So it's not really something... Or you could say Rogue One, the intro scene. Um, there was kind of a, a visionary flashback to to Rey's childhood briefly in The Force Awakens. Yeah, that's true too. Well, that's a, it's like a... That's the Force vision. Whole it is. other can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so it, it's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see how they go about implementing that, but I definitely don't want uh, Snoke to just have died and that be it. No, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm not worried even worried about it. No, I'm not either, because especially no. since JJ's back. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing when Nine is done and everything fits yep. and people can stop complaining. Yeah. Will it be perfect? Maybe not. Probably not. Will it be the best of all of the trilogies? Definitely not. No. Will it be everybody's like third favorite or second favorite? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, judge it when it's complete. That's right. It doesn't matter until it's complete. Right. Right. And stop with your idle threats about how you don't consider these movies canon. Your childhood is ruined. Go to bed. Good Lord. Yeah. If your childhood ruined, I think you're still a child. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Vader Immortal. Okay. 
This is a new VR game. No way. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's coming out on the Oculus, which means no one will play it. Right. But it's uh, essentially, I think you're a, an apprentice to Vader being trained. Okay. So it's very cool in that regard. There's another uh, kind of uh, VR Jedi game out there. Uh, but this one seems to be a little bit more story-based, and it could be kind of a cool uh, cool entry point into a whole new set of Star Wars games that could come. That's very cool. I've still never used any kind of VR. It's okay. Right. Uh, the really good stuff, like the like the HTC, like that's impressive. Yeah. But like Google Glass is only okay. Okay. Sorry, not Google Glass, um, Google Cardboard. Right. Um, and, uh, just the only thing other than that is, uh, the first five episodes of the resistance, the plot has been announced for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie within those first couple episodes. Elijah Wood is going to be in one of those episodes, uh, as a character That'd be uh, great. named Jace. So that'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, finally a few set photos came out of John Favreau's TV show. No way. They're already like on set. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. So it's uh, him. It's on a desert. You... We don't have a cast. Oh, you don't see really anything. It's just principal photography. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's set pieces, yeah. and it looks like uh, it's Tatooine or some other desert planet. Cool. Uh, but I would not be surprised if it was Tatooine. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be dope for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's it? That's all you got? That's all I got, sir. Okay, well, the Star Wars family is just so big, we thought we should uh, give out some birthday wishes uh, week by week. So I've made up a little calendar. We only have uh, two. Do you want to start uh, with uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday, October 3rd? Jonas Sutamo, or Jonas Sutamo. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce any element of his name. Suotamo, I think? I think it's Sutamo. Okay. Um, I've seen a couple people claim they correctly are pronouncing it different ways but um yeah so he's been an excellent new chewy yeah so happy birthday to him glad he's joined the family and happy birthday to a guy we kind of ragged on a little bit in this 20 brian blessed who plays boss nass is celebrating his birthday on uh october 9th which is uh, next week but we're not going to be doing a, a podcast next week because it's thanksgiving yes so it's thanksgiving next week we will be taking that week off but as in kind of a substitute, we won't be taking a break in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So we'll Hopefully just go we can rape. get yeah, back on, on routine. I mean, we're not the first people to have a hard time getting through A Phantom Menace, to be fair. <laughs> no, we are not. Has been a little bit spotty. Uh, but uh, so do we have our final 20 next next yep. week? Oh, not next week, but the week after. Great. Okay, so uh, you want to be caught up to us by, the, by uh, two weeks from now. You've got lots of time to watch all of The Phantom Menace. Good luck, baby. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to send along some thoughts on this week's uh, episode or any other, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. And as always, rate and review. Send us a little comment on iTunes so other people can find our podcast. And exactly. uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And as you're eating your turkey, may the force be with you. Yeah.